Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be redeeming the time. Let's begin today in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in the 11th verse, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is success, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 16 told us, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. This is a verse that we hear often, but it's important that we take a closer look at it and see what exactly we're dealing with. We know that we're living in evil days. We see evil all around us. This shouldn't come as a surprise. But what does it mean to redeem the time? We need to look at how other versions of the Bible translate this verse. The English Standard Version says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The Living Bible says, making the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. The Amplified Bible says, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. The Classic Amplified says, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Redeeming our time has to do with how we use it. People today don't properly value their time. Your time is your greatest asset. It's a limited resource. You can never make more of it. It's only a set amount. Just like with anything else, the value is derived from the scarcity of it. It's supply and demand. There's a limited supply, but a great demand, which causes the value to increase. People mistake money for their most valuable asset, but just because it may feel scarce at certain times doesn't mean that it actually is. You can always make more money. It may be hard, but there's a million different ways to do so. But that isn't so with time. The concordance says for the word redeeming that in the Greek it means making the most of, to buy up, to ransom, to rescue from loss, to buy out, to buy away from, to purchase out, to choose. The concordance goes further to say that it means to take full advantage of, seizing a buying opportunity, making the most of the present opportunity, recognizing its future gain. This definition has to do with buying and purchasing, but why would that be? What does that mean in relation to time? Time, just by nature of what it is, is a bartering tool. It's something that we can trade with. It can be used transactionally. We all trade our time. We all buy something with our time. We do it every day. When we go to work, we're in effect selling our employer a block of our time. And then in exchange for the time that we've sold to them, they give us a comparable amount of money. They give us what they think our time is worth. Sometimes we trade our time for others' time. When we have a conversation with a friend, we take their time and they take our time. It's an even trade. With family, we do this constantly. Sometimes we even give our time away. We spend time on something or with someone and there's no return. This could be done for pleasure or recreation, or maybe we're forced to and we feel like we wasted that time, which leads us to the next problem, which is losing time. Since time is limited, losing it is a big problem, especially because there's no way to get that time back. The definition earlier said, rescue from loss. This is important. We can't recover time that's already passed, but we can rescue the time right now 
and we can rescue the future time from being lost. But what does that actually mean? How do we lose time? Losing time, in nearly every case, can be traced to a mismanagement of time. You lose what you mismanage. People mismanage family, which leads to broken homes. People mismanage business, which leads to bankruptcy. People mismanage churches, which leads to hurt and disillusioned believers. And worst of all, people mismanage their lives, which leads to their life falling apart. You may get along fine for some time. You may hold up temporarily, but eventually it collapses. Eventually things catch up to us and it all comes crashing down. We lose what we don't steward and take care of, and time works the same way. You may not even realize that you're losing it at first. Maybe you don't even give much thought to how you use your time. Many of us don't. But that valuable asset that God gave us slowly and subtly starts to slip past us. Many people have a feeling inside that they're losing time. Most times we understand that as wasting time, and that's really what wasting time is. But they do nothing about it. When we realize that time is being lost, we have to do something. If a water reservoir with a limited supply of good water was leaking, it would be important that that leak is quickly stopped. The more water they lost, the worse off they'd be, and it's no different with our relation to time. Once we see time slipping past us, we can't just sit idly by and watch it happen. That would only cost us even more time. Most people don't do anything, and it's especially concerning that most Christians don't redeem the time. They don't buy back the opportunity. They don't use the time the best way that they can. They're just content to keep losing it. We can learn a lot about this from the word for time in the Greek. It means time, season, opportunity, occasion. Time is opportunity. It refers to things coming to a head to take full advantage of. It's a suitable time, the right moment, a favorable moment. The concordance also says about this word that it means the time when things are brought to a crisis, the decisive epic waited for. Mismanagement always leads to crisis. Maybe it's financial crisis. Maybe it's a crisis in the family, a crisis at the job. But mismanagement always inevitably leads to crisis. It may not be immediate. It may take some time to arrive. But there's always that crisis point, that inflection point, that point where something has to change or else. And it's no different with the mismanagement of our time. This is where the term crisis management comes from. We've all worked at places where this is the way they choose to operate. They wait for everything to start falling apart and then try to scramble to fix it all and manage it all. When we reach that crisis, we're left in a bad place, a place of confusion, disorder, chaos, anxiety, and fear. But these things could have been avoided. We didn't have to get to this place. We got here by our own choosing. So what do we do to avoid this point of crisis? What do we do to stop losing our time? We have to learn to manage our time, and God gives us the way to do this in His Word. He's concerned with your time. He gave it to you. He designed it. And he wants us to use it in the best way possible. But we have to be willing to do what he says. We may not learn it in school, but at some point in our lives, through experience, we learn how to manage our money. Because we see the value in it. If money was worthless, we wouldn't care what we did with it. The first step is to learn and understand the value of time. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, beginning in the 28th verse, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, wherever he have sufficient to finish it? Was happily, after he laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, 
sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 28 said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Counting the cost, that's what we don't do. We do it with everything else in life, but we don't do it with time. Since time is transactional, if we want to redeem our time, we have to forfeit something in return, which is exactly why people, especially Christians, don't redeem it. Since they don't value time, they don't want to give up something they see as more valuable in exchange. The devil knows that human nature is inclined to not want to give up anything. He knows that man's heart is so set against sacrificing, and he uses that as a weapon against us. Some people do count the cost, and then they come to the conclusion that they're not willing to pay. And we see this mindset rampant in the church today. It's never been more prevalent. When it comes time to serve God, time becomes everyone's favorite excuse. Maybe you feel like you really should spend some time with God in prayer. But right as you're about to, the devil conveniently tries to persuade you that you don't really have time for that right now. You have other things you need to do. Maybe you think it's a good time to read the Bible. But then the devil tells you that that's not a good idea. You have a deadline you have to meet and time's running out. Maybe it's time to go to church, but you just don't have the time for it today. Or you would love to go if only you had more time. These are lies, and they're all predicated on the devil's attempt to devalue your time. This isn't to say that every second of our lives has to be devoted to doing something for God. Things come up in life that take our time. We may have somewhere to go or something to do that we really can't get out of. God understands that. He knows that we have to live. But when the misuse of time becomes a habitual and persistent problem, it's something that needs to be addressed. Many times people are just looking for an escape hatch. They'll take anything that will get them out of doing these things, and time becomes a convenient excuse that can take on any form you need it to. There's time for this and time for that, but there doesn't seem to be any time for God. But why don't Christians want to use their time for God? It really boils down to an unwillingness to sacrifice. People refuse to give up the time. What are we willing to sacrifice and forfeit for God? How much time are we willing to spend on Him? How much effort will we put forth to make time for Him? Most people aren't willing to do anything. When Felix was being told the gospel by Paul, we know that he felt something. The scripture tells us that he trembled. But he told him that he would call for him again when it was a convenient time. But as we all know, convenient times don't exist because there's no such thing as perfect conditions. He wasn't willing to follow God's timing. He wanted things to happen on his timing, which isn't the way that it works. He wasn't asking if the time was convenient for God. All he cared about was if it was convenient for him. And just like we see today, time became the perfect excuse to continually procrastinate a decision that he knew very well he never intended on making. We should be willing to sacrifice. It's hard to get people to sacrifice their money, but it's even harder to get them to sacrifice their time. Nobody wants to give their time to God, because that entails commitment, and it entails responsibility to use that time in the right way. And people don't want those things. They want their time for themselves, to use it on what they want, not what God wants. We shouldn't be surprised that those in the world don't make time for God. Why would they? But when Christians, God's own children, don't make time for Him, something's terribly wrong. And it serves as a testament against us and against our faith, when we'll take time for everything and anything else except God. 
We can't tolerate that. We can't let that be our story and our life. So how do we use our time in the best way? What specifically goes into that? There's two critical elements that have to do with this. Verse 16 said in the Amplified Bible, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Wisdom and diligence are the two keys to using our time rightly. We need both of them. Let's look at each of these individually. Wisdom is important for all areas of our life, but we especially need it for the proper use of our time. We should use our wisdom to be discerning. Time can be used in innumerable different ways. It could be used rightly or wrongly, and it's in our power to choose which way we'll use it. Earlier in the definition for time, it said, time is opportunity. This is important as it relates to wisdom. Time is always opportunity. Every minute is an opportunity. There's a chance to use it right, to use it for good, profitable things. We have a chance to talk to God, read the word, offer a word of advice or encouragement to a friend, spend some quality time with our family, be there for someone in need. There's always an opportunity, but we have to see it and then seize upon it. We have to be willing to take full advantage of it. Seeing the opportunity takes wisdom. It takes being able to see past what we see in the natural. It takes discernment. It may not appear like there's any opportunity. Maybe it just seems like if we did some of these things, we would just be throwing away and wasting our time, getting no return at all. But just because we don't see immediate return doesn't mean that one's not coming. Especially when it comes to our service to God, many components of the return we won't experience until eternity, a place where time won't even exist anymore. We have to have the wisdom to be able to be patient and wait for the return, and also have the wisdom to know that sometimes not everything has to be transactional. Sometimes it's okay to give something and not get anything in return. That's called love. The next element is diligence. 2 Peter 2 and 10 says, Wherefore the rabbit brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. This verse is very revealing. Diligence is something that we have to give. It's a sacrifice. Giving time once in a while, or only a little bit here and there, may not seem too bad to a person. But when they have to devote a good portion of their time regularly to serving God or to others or to anything other than themselves, then they're not willing to give it anymore. Diligence is what helps us to continue to seize the opportunities of time, time and time again. It's what helps us to run the race of using our time well, all the way to the finish line. And it's what helps us to not get distracted by the lives of the enemy that try to draw us away from God and from His will into squandering our time away in pursuits and things that in the end don't really matter. We have to be committed, we have to be responsible, and we have to be sure that we know why we're using our time in the way that we are. We shouldn't just unknowingly use time, hoping that we're doing what's right. We have to know, we have to be sure. Verse 17 in the Amplified says, Therefore do not be foolish and faultless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. This is what leads to so much time being lost, faultlessness. Faultlessness means not thinking something through, not taking any thought for it. When people don't take any thought for the use of their time, many times years later looking back, they might find that they made some mistakes. Countless people have tried to work incredibly hard to climb the corporate ladder, devoting all their time to work, and made incredible amounts of money in the process. But then one day they look back over their lives and they realize that they never spent time with their kids or they were never there with their wife or they never really spent time with their friends. 
Sometimes it takes a person getting to that point before they make real changes and how they budget and manage their time. But it shouldn't have to get to that point. The antidote is taking thought. Others are foolish with the use of their time. They mindlessly squander it on things that even in the moment they realize are waste of time. Instead of operating in wisdom and discernment, they allow that time to be freely lost. They allow the enemy to lead them to devalue it, to treat time like it doesn't mean anything. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to be faultless. We want to operate in wisdom and discernment. But how can we be absolutely sure that we're doing what's right? The answer is in the last part of verse 17. What the will of the Lord is. God's will, just like with every other aspect in our daily walk of faith, is the bedrock upon which all else rests. God's timing is part of His will. They go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. God's will is only able to be His will when it happens in His perfect timing. Since we're desiring for God's will to become our will, we should also desire His timing to become our timing. His will is His word, and the word will reveal to us how we should use our time. In the classic Amplified Bible, verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. We have to live with purpose. When we know that God has given us a purpose, and we know what that purpose is, this should direct our usage of time. God's purpose for us is part of His plan for our lives. So when we're spending time on things that are aligned with and furthering our purpose, we'll be using that time in a good, useful way. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. The time is assigned to the purpose, not the other way around. When you live with purpose, God assigns specific periods of time for the fulfillment and furthering of that purpose. And if God is doing this, then we know that He's watching over our usage of time to make sure that it's the most profitable. It's when people decide to go against God's will using every second of time they've been given for themselves instead of Him, that people lose time and devolve into the state of crisis that we looked at earlier. This is a sad state of being, but although it's sad, it's not hopeless. We serve a God of second chances. Although we may have lost some time along the way, He's provided a way for us to redeem that time. President John F. Kennedy once said, The Chinese use two brushstrokes to write their word crisis. One brushstroke stands for danger, the other for opportunity. In a crisis, be aware of the danger, but recognize the opportunity. During the crisis of lost time, there's the danger of losing and wasting even more time. But then at the same time, there's an opportunity for redeeming the time, which is the opportunity that the Lord desires for us to take full advantage of. Don't let this great gift from God go unclaimed and unutilized. We know that we're in evil, distressing, chaotic, crisis-filled days. And now it's time for God's people to redeem the time that we've lost and to use it for God and for His purposes. And when we do, we won't be wasting time. We won't be squandering it in things that will never lead to anything more. We'll be investing our most valuable asset in a way that will produce returns for all of eternity. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You for this day, and we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we thank You for the time that You've given us. And even though we may have lost a lot of time along the way, we thank you that it doesn't have to stay that way. We thank you that you made a way in your word for us to redeem the time, to rescue the time that we have right now, and to rescue the time that we have ahead of us from being lost like it was before. Lord, today we ask for the wisdom to use our time in the right way, 
and where we ask for the strength to be diligent in the right use of our time. Where we thank you for the opportunity that time is presenting to us. Where we make our desire known right now that we want to seize that opportunity. We want to take it, lay hold upon it, and use it to its fullest potential. Where we thank you for the time that we have ahead, that it's going to be used rightly, that it's going to be a time that's used in line with our purpose and your will. And Lord, we thank you that you are going to guide us through your Holy Spirit working within us to invest our time in things that will bear eternal fruit and things that truly matter. And Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to redeem your time and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.